Hello there, this is Mike Knezovich, and welcome to the latest edition of Tune Up with Mike and Monty, Brain Science Step-by-Step. Step. Each week we look at how the brain functions, how things go wrong, and maybe how you can address issues in your daily life. Um, we're here in Chicago with Dr. Monty Pavaluri. How are you today? I'm great. Another great fall morning. It is. It's crisp and cool and sunny. And hello to everybody. Today we're going to talk about, uh, I think, a pretty common issue mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of people are dealing with, parents are dealing with, and that is how to deal with uh, young adults in your life, your kids typically, but not necessarily. It could be your niece, nephew, or uh, friend. Um, young adults who have uh, mental health issues, uh, substance abuse issues, and this is all pretty common, um, but there is no easy way to deal with it, and that's why we're going to talk about it today. And I think let's start with, you know, what are some of the problems uh, and issues that you see in your practice and, and previously in your research that young adults face? What are the common issues? Um, I think that um, the problems with young adults who are now grown up from being younger and um, they're 18 plus, say, for example. Okay. Um, they graduated to being an adult by age, but really still dependent completely or partially or fighting the idea of dependence with parents. Okay. Um, there are no solutions written in any textbooks that are cookie cutter that we could deal with helping these young men and women. Uh, they have often complicated problems with mental health issues complicated by substance abuse ranging from various um, substances such as cannabis to LSD to alcohol and cocaine. It could be any number of them. Uh, but luckily, Mike, uh, as I saw, as I saw mostly young people before and they grew into adults, I have seen less of this complexity perhaps because most of them have been dealt with with early intervention and those we have dealt with have not always ended up in a complicated lives. And as I'm expanding my practice seeing adults and young adults, I'm seeing more wider array of extremely complex situations where things have gone south for the family and the young men and women. Um, but some of them also, the those we have taken care of earlier with mental health problems, you know, they continue to have issues as they become adult because it's not all over. Once they become 18, suddenly things doesn't do not stop. And um, say, for example, a young man would just have a severe social anxiety and would refuse to go to college classes and they bail out and want to live independently or live with parents and then become hermits and they don't follow their responsibilities. The, 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 the at kid home. in the basement kind of thing. Kid in the basement. Yeah. And even if the father shows a way to work with him part time, they won't get up on time or meet them at the car. 
And then there are those people who are also extremely anxious. They get the job, then they quit the job, thinking something is wrong with the surroundings or environment. And then they overuse the benzodiazepines that you know were uh, pre- prescribed, prescribed for medical reasons, but wrongly used uh, uh, or excessively used. Or there are people who would have high expectations of themselves and reach for higher tier jobs, but they're not able to accept that they have severe impediments. Um, And then there are those who actually successfully went to places like Hazelden in Minnesota, where they really got better. It's a substance abuse. Substance abuse treatment, and they really got better. Uh, And sometimes, you know, mental illness um, uh, is, what we think is mental illness is covered by uh, substance abuse manifestations. So once the substance abuse is clear, some of the mental health problems dissipate. Mm-hmm. And um, so they got extremely good success from having been there also and cleaned up and parents stopped being codependent. And then there were some people who are really caught up and wanting to be in the gangs and they feel that's easy, least resistance pathway on the south side to get sucked up in Chicago into the gangs and then they want to go that way rather than be in the college being paid for by parents and being hosted by parents in their homes. They just want freedom. Mm -hmm. So that's like a little difficulty, you know. And then there are some of those who aspire to be away from parents. They go far away to the south, say, for example, and they can't go cope, they take therapeutic dogs, they try and, you know, uh, get all the support they need, but then they just can't handle the day-to-day problems, and their passion for what they went for is given up very easily, thinking that they won't fare well. Um, So, therefore, they're dealing with not only um, sometimes psychosis, sometimes bipolar disorder, sometimes it is um, uh, severe... um, uh, you know, abuse of medi- drugs that get taken away. That can be that could be illegal drugs, or it could know. be the drugs that they've got uh, legally through prescription, and they can abuse those e- too. Either, right? either, and and so they get mixed up. So, what was ha- these young people who are held carefully by parents are, you know, uh, struggling now that they don't have the supervision yet they want to be away from parents and that's a schism and not being able to realize that they can't afford to be independent and they would go skid row. Uh, But then some get up and really fight it out and they have a great hope. Some actually have successful jobs on the one side, but they have very difficult relationships with uh, in romantic kind of relationships because of their uh, probably uh, drug abuse sometimes mm-hmm. peppered uh, as the adults that I'm seeing now, and so they are um, they are all kinds of combinations. And when you are doing certain jobs like chef jobs or waitressing, or in arts colleges where there's a rampant use of drug and uh, sexual con- sexuality and identity confusion, there there are a lot more cohort based uh, uh, complexities that these kids get sucked into that perpetuate the problem. Because it's kind of like the artist identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's acceptable. All right, so it can be a lot of different issues, and but there's some, I'm sure, some generalities. And so for the parents, um, where where do they, 
I hate to say, well, I guess I'll put it this way. What, what kinds of mistakes are common among parenting? If, 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 if I'm, if I've got one of these kids that is kind of passing from 18 to adulthood, but it's kind of in between and struggling, um, what are the pitfalls that I, that I, that I face? Um, I think God forbid, I mean, all parents are, first of all, like I would like to say, caring, loving, and want to do their best for their children. Yep. No question. I have not, I have yet to see somebody who's extremely vicious, you know? Yeah. And, and so most parents are, I mean, actually 100% of the parents want their children to be well and happy, unless on certain occasions they get really upset. But um, what is very difficult for a lot of parents is um, if they don't have the resources themselves and they themselves have a very difficult background, they tend to ignore the problems, not see them as coming and they, it, the problems have gone too far along. And then the parents themselves isolate and feel ashamed and get, get, get to not, not be somewhat incapacitated. Um, and I can see that. take it, to bed sometimes yeah. and withdraw. And then there are those parents who are very controlling and ve get mad very easily, and they may have their own problems of temper. And some of them actually go from controlling to being loving, and they give um, lectures all the time, or they're sad, and they kind of be a yo-yo around the kids. Oh. And some of them are extremely loving and codependent and give a lot of money for coping, and uh, uh, they use the uh, lunch money, for example, or basic coping money for drugs, and they, they're giving endlessly, and some of the grandparents give endlessly. So these are misused finances. And then there are some who completely withdraw and say, get out of my house. And then they just kind of cut the ties, thinking that the kids would grow up and fend for themselves if there is a need. Um, Those are like two extremes, aren't they? I mean, because exactly. I, mean, I, I would guess that thing about when to stop giving money, helping, Mm. is a really difficult right. thing for, for parents. On the other hand, withdrawing is like the tough love thing. Kind the of. tough love thing. And the, the, often the, the irony is that one parent is like one kind and the other one is the other kind. That's and it's not so bad in the sense that they kind of complement each other in the way so that the kid is not completely torn apart yeah. and left out. But that said, if there is a clarity and logical thinking with, with one parent at least, then things could get better, I yeah, think. Yeah. And often it's like father may say, you know, just let's get rid of him, you know, and uh, and then the mother may want to rescue or the other way around. And there is a couple conflict that develops from it, and that's even worse. And so now instead of just worrying about that one child, then there are other children and the husband and wife fighting, and it, it affects like a bunch of people in the family, right? Yeah, it's like a domino effect. Right. Um, so what are some of the, uh, uh, I don't know, tools, uh, approaches, um, you know, uh, it, it, what, how to address what they have to do? I mean, in communication, how do they, how do they sort of right. avoid the pitfalls or address right. them? Right. Um, I think that, you know, it's a vast area, but I think that some basic things I'll point towards, which would really be like give some basic compass for yeah, the situation. Yeah, yeah, guidelines. Um, guidelines. Um, so the, the four things that I find most important are communication, relationship 
uh, uh, and then the medical care and basic finances. Okay, so for the communication, I think that reducing codependency, living your own life strongly, um, and I think is very important, but I think you need extra skills, almost like I call it voice training, <laughs> because if you don't call it voice training, people will start yelling and screaming or being extremely pleading. So you need to be dignified and be stable and talk and like, even keel, yeah, yeah, talking yeah. like you're talking to the store neighbor. And, and sometimes people say, oh, it's artificial. No, it's not like artificial, but it is like a very necessary skill. It's intentional. Have. Intentional but not and artificial. caring. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Intentional is a good word. And then decrease the drama um, because a lot of them say, oh, my kid is everything to me, blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of <laughs> overdo and bend backwards and, you know, and ignore their own relationship with their spouse. And things get really complicated. They run and chase the children where they are at and stuff. So, um, and then what you also have to understand what you will do and will not do and stick to it. So some of these things are very important in communication to children, being very steady and tell them logically and with wisdom. You know, you tell them always what not to do, but tell them what is important in their life and brainwash them or bring them wisdom every time you coach them, you, you want them to know something about life and and that's more joyful to listen here and there through storytelling. And some of this is demonstrate, demonstrating it, demonstrating. not just not telling them. And it also sounds like consistency is a big part of it. Consistency is a big part. I mean, a lot of parents say, oh, we're role models, good role models. Why is it happening? You may be good role models, but the way you talk within this conflictual situation with psychiatrically ill child requires additional skills, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the second thing is relationship. Um, and I think the most important thing is at least one parent, hopefully both, c continue to have a strong bond and not give up. Mm -hmm. and, and so that the, 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 the kid knows that that person's there. There, loud, yeah. loud. And there's always, no matter what, that person is there. They can talk to them about everything and they're not judged. Okay. Right? Uh, yeah, and... and <laughs> I can get, I can guess that it would only be one parent. Sometimes people are different. You know? Yeah, right, right. And and if the two of them, like one is so hot-headed and can't do it, then the other one has to take, take leadership. Take that role. Yeah, yeah, one parent has to take a lead, at least. And then the other one is the medical care. The practical part. Yeah, the practical part. You know what? The thing is, by till 26, they can be on parents' uh, medical insurance, but sometimes they are beyond 26. Or sometimes parents refuse to have them on, or it's expensive to have them on their medical insurance. Depends on their um, own uh, financial situation of the family. But I think if you are resentful of paying medical bills, if you're over 26 and you had to pay cash for that paid kid, um, for the young adult, I mean, um, then I think they should be on Medicaid and not have that resentment between parent and child. So remove, remove that as, an, as a, pro, a possible uh, conflict uh, point. Exactly. Yeah. And or just give and think that as a necessary expense and keep that as a but decide. budget. But decide. Yeah. And and then also it could be a good incentive for a young adult to go and find a job and find insurance and it's not so, a bad thing. Yeah. 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 And have some negotiation there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. You know, and talk about till when you're willing to help. And this goes along. Or how much. This is leads into sort of 
the, the, the basics of daily life. Right, right. Basic work, finances is the fourth one. Yeah, the finance is the fourth one. So the most important thing I tell, I have very um, uh, affluent um, clients and, and sometimes, you know, for forever they, they are living affluently and the kids accuse them for how they are happy and have a lot of money, but they don't give them the money. And there are also some kids, <laughs> they don't feel entitled at all and they feel that the parents will give the money to charity and not them and it's okay. There are all kinds of people. But I think the most important basic thing is to make sure that their children have food, the shelter, and clothing, basically, right? And I think that the car could be in luxury and extra cash is a luxury. Um, and sometimes, you know, the credit card shared by family could be restricted credit card, which could work as a GPS, and some parents would like that, mm-hmm. uh, and which is okay, provided it's not the family card, mm-hmm. you know. And so some of these things are, are very important. Stick to the make sure that your children have those basic needs and put them on trust. That's that's interesting because it's also, I, I do think, and I've known people that just struggle with how much to do, how much to give. And I think if you boil it down to those necessities, mm-hmm. you have a nice little map that says, okay, this much, but just that, you know. Right, right. Um, so it, when it comes to, all right, so. And we, some help also, though. Help to get disability benefits, social welfare benefits, like job opportunities. If they can't work, like say they have, a, you know, high-functioning autism, but, but then they really can't work. Uh, in a very um, and in this case it could that could come through help from a social worker or something to guide yeah, you to those things exactly and offer job opportunities or volunteer volunteer work so that they are not left stranded okay so so a social worker could be a, a resource but um, what about uh, treatment um, while this is going on I mean it's it's a funny thing because they are adults mm-hmm. but but kind of just on the cusp of adulthood. And so they, they want to navigate getting treatment and finding stuff. Where, where, does the, where do parents fit in terms of like following, following that process? Because there's like almost like privacy issues or it's like it's my right. life and it's my doctor. Um, how, right. how do you negotiate that? Yeah, release of information is a big thing. Is it? And even if they get admitted to hospital, some of the young adults don't let the parents have any information and they just get stranded. You know, it's it's, it's very difficult in that situation. And parents can't do anything. That's when it's a you tough come spot. to the basics of communication, relationship, basic finances, and medical care. That's the only the four things they can do, right? Yeah. And, and um, so... So I think that, you know, basically, if you think about the treatment, what you want, actually, you know what, Mike, parents can be coaches and learn some of the treatment techniques, uh, not necessarily being treaters, I'm not saying that, but some of the principles are the same in communication of parents with their children and also the treaters, whoever they may be, social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists, whoever they are. So they'll be reinforcing. Yeah, reinforcing that. There is a common method of communication that everybody should know. And in addition to that common method of strong, good, you know, high-end communication, there will be medication management and, and education about certain drug use or mental illness like psychosis or autism or anxiety disorder, whatever that may be, bipolar disorder, whatever that may be that will have a specific treatment, which I'm not trying to address here, but I would just talk about how to really create a cohesive 
you know, link of communication, you know, and what is fruitful. And what is important is, um, most important is um, helping uh, uh, them to understand that you empathize, uh, you understand, uh, and develop the discrepancies between what patients believe and their behavior. In other words, you know, understand, you know, okay, I want to sell paintings in New York and I'm just, live, I'm going to live off it and I'm going to use LSD. So how do you, you know, how do you but, develop, how do you develop, you know, how that's not feasible? So without, you, without punishing them or, without or, or, or yeah. how do you create that gap, you know, yeah. and you want to avoid arguments with them about the substance abuse and you, you want to roll with the resistance, but support the, you know, you know, effectiveness of the kid who's trying to change. So the change talk is most important, like motivational interviewing. Um, I think that you want to be clear on your advice and suggestions for change, but you are taking a back seat and listening a lot of the time and you're fostering their, um, you know, you're fostering their um, uh, in developing insight. So you're steering them. Right. I mean, you know, and you're trying not to just come down on them about, I mean, it seems like it's, it's a, it's about being positive and realistic at the same time. Right. Right. It's a mixture of several, several treatments. You know, you find solutions with them. You help them to change their thinking to positive thinking. You kind of help them to change their um, attitudes gently by asking questions and also um, you are helping them to find where there is no disconnect in their thinking and you show compassion and you explore and resolve that ambivalence and help them uh, work towards a goal. Um, so you create that somewhat of a discomfort in, in what they're thinking and almost bust the improper logic they're okay. holding so that they will try and so you kind of create the holes in their thinking you identify them you identify and you them have them holes. help them see it and you yeah you help them see those holes and then you help them think about how they can change and how they can move forward to by taking the action and how they could have a different lifestyle and uh, how they can keep going with a positive attitude you know so the delicate part is you understand that there are holes in their thinking. You want to want them to see it without, uh, you know, punishing them or making them feel dumb or something. Right, right. You're accepting them where they're at. Yeah. You're, ne you're not criticizing them whatsoever. You're just you're not judging it out. them. Yeah. You point out, okay, you said this, but then these are the problems you'll face, and how are you going to do this, and uh, what can I do to help? And this is kind of, and, and then encourage them if they take any positive steps towards. Uh, reconciling and then hold hands along the way of showing direction uh, and you accept you encourage you respect uh, and you build a resilience yeah and and also you show the positivity in parents and if they're really toxic relationships with parents say for example that they're not willing to listen you have to help them to let go and learn about how they can move forward by themselves and find those positive strengths and stuff. And the change talk is what we're talking about through collaboration and helping them develop autonomy and stuff like that. You draw out that responsibility from them. Do you draw out that commitment? And it requires trust. Yeah. You know, 
It's it's hard, isn't it? Right, right. <laughs> but it's I mean, worth it, yeah. especially if you love your kid, yeah, and, yeah. or your friend, or right, your, yeah, right. You you can be vocal in giving feedback, uh, uh, in, in helping them shape their life uh, gently, and and actually, the most critical thing is pointing out uh, their own motivation to change, their own need 